It is the 11 Devcast. I'm Johnny. He's George. We have so many things to talk about this week. I'm so excited. Are you excited, George? Uh, I'm jacked and juiced. I mean, you got to understand, folks, like Johnny and I, to get warmed up, just talked about Chris chugging off for 30 minutes. I don't know who else is capable of something like that other than us. So we're like... I could talk about him for 30 more minutes. The dynamic we have uh, as Ohio State fans is fabulous. I, I love it. So we're, we got so many things to talk about, and we just we got really in the weeds niche with something really specific and now we can talk about more general and appealing and fun topics well there's no topic more fun than chris chuganoff and and i'll just say that and and one day we will delve deep into the the legacy that is that incredible man but this week we actually have a lot to get into there's a lot to talk about um we've got recruiting news obviously that just popped off here a couple hours ago uh big 10 media days we're gonna hit a bunch of different things related to that um, some Harbaugh stuff, which is very funny to me for some specific reasons that, you know, we'll also get into. And then a bunch of other just random, uh, you know, events and things that are going on in college football right now. So we'll get into all of that. I do want to start with some recruiting. Uh, you know, I, I was going to uh, kind of talk about this in a more negative light, recruiting in general, um, because, you know, a five-star uh, 2025 quarterback, uh, Gilbert, just decommitted um from ohio state but 2025 kids pretty young you i don't think you can ever really consider um a uh you know a commit a true commit at that point and you know i don't think there's any you know anger or frustration with this guy it's, it's okay if, if you want to change your mind especially that early in the process and it's also tempered by the fact that uh, ohio state just landed aaron scott and i think he was a guy another cornerback um, Gilbert, also quarterback from 2025, Aaron Scott, quarterback, considered to be one of, if not the best, uh, commit or excuse me, recruit in the state of Ohio in 2024. Um, and this is a guy that I think a lot of people were kind of picking and, and tabbing and saying, you know, big get for Ohio state, obviously a great recruit might be bumped up to a five-star at some point. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I I will say, relative to the first thing you just said, there's always that contingent. I mean, the fan base of Ohio State has become so massive that there's always that contingent of crazies that anytime someone betrays the glorious Buckeye brand, that they feel compelled to respond to such a thing. So if you're one of those people, d- please don't like yeah, respect relax. that guy's de- respect that kid's decision. Don't lash out at a child on social media because they don't want to play for your football team. Exactly. Like, grow exactly. up. Well, and I'll also say I, I am happy, and, and it's good to see you know all the uh, all the guys, all the people uh, commenting on elevenwarriors.com. Not everybody, but most people um, are pretty positive about it. They're saying good luck. You know that sucks, but we're not angry. It's unfortunate, but you know we're not you know we're not angry or anything like that. Uh, that's great. That's the perfect way to react. Now, Aaron Scott's commitment, which is pretty great. He did a little bit of trolling. Um, what he did is he had, uh, some bag set up. So he had a backpack with an Oregon logo, a backpack with a Michigan logo, a backpack with an Ohio state logo, takes the Oregon backpack, puts it, puts it underneath the table, takes the Ohio state backpack, puts it underneath the table, picks up the Michigan backpack and pulls out an Ohio state Jersey out of it. 
Beautiful bit of trolling. It's all in good fun. Lighthearted ribbing at your rival. I don't think there's anything off. It's not like he like, you know, threw up the Marcus Hall double birds and then burned a Michigan hat in front of like, you know, an effigy of, you know, Jim Harbaugh or something like that. <laughs> like it was it was just a, a cute little thing. It was a little ribbing. It was funny. It was good. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And to your point about uh, you know, not getting super upset. I, I did decide to put on my, uh, you know, my hazmat suit and I waited into the MGO blog um, uh, comment section, the, the forums. Uh-oh. And the thing is, man, like, it's not just that they're salty about it. It's also that they're salty about it in a very specifically Michigan way, which is that, you know, we're angry, but we're also trying so hard to prove that we're like the better people, right, in this situation. So, We'll say some really like angry stuff, but we'll try to do it in a verbose, eloquent way and to try to belie the fact that we're, we're getting mad about what a teenager just did. So <laughs> one example is, why are you wishing him good luck? This reaction happens every time and makes no sense. I'll be extremely happy if he loses every game, and I imagine you will too. So you're oh a liar. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, I also like this. That uh, that is pretty classless in my classless in my opinion. Don't string schools and fans along because you think it's funny. We'll have fun watching him get his ass beat. <laughs> now, to be fair, it's not like every kid on MGO, or every kid every poster on MGO blog is angry at this kid and saying he's the worst person in the world or anything like that. Um, but the <laughs> the the fact that they're like legitimately angry about what they say is trolling here. Um, is really funny to me. So, like, he's been trolling us for months. All the undecided chatter and Michigan flirting was just long game trolling. Multiple OSU commits have done it at this point, and I'm pretty confident it's a coordinated thing by OSU staff. <laughs> Which I love the idea of Ryan Day and Brian Hartline like devoting any amount of time in their week to figuring out how to make commenters on MGO blog or other Michigan sites angry. <laughs> like, if that is truly what they're doing then they have this season far more locked that, up. Than that's I my job. Season. Yeah, they don't need to be worried about that. Yeah, stuff. that's right. That's exactly right. That's our job. We don't, we, that's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> we, we get um, the horde riled up up north. Yeah, and it's fun. And, and like, again, like I'm not, I'm not trying to paint them all with the same brush like they will do with their rivals oftentimes. I'm just saying it's okay if a teenager makes a decision about where they go to play football that you don't particularly like. You just kind of need to be okay with it. You well, I just think need to cool that. it and not worry about it. So whether it's a five star in 2025 or a four star in 2023 or 24, um, it's 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 football, man. It's it's going to be fine either way. I, so. I do think there's a contrast in behavior in the camps, though, and it's it's reflected, I think, time and time again. You'll you know, in this case, you have a a bit of a ribbing, you know, before the actual conflict. The guy hasn't even gotten to school yet. He's, you know, right. declaring Ohio State as top dog in his eyes. There's there's something to be said about before the conflict actually happens, you know, illustrating your confidence. That's that 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 is saying that I like that that's a cool thing. It's one thing to celebrate afterwards. There's it's a little bit classier and you put less pressure on yourself if you, you know, don't build yourself up beforehand but to to celebrate your success before it even happens and then live in it uh after it takes place is is something that is much greater 
I, I, I bring this up because of the, the banner incident relative to the flag uh, that was planted at Ohio State at the right. end of the game last year, which we're going to talk about in a moment. And it's just funny to me that you, you continue to see these Buckeyes that say, hey, we're not afraid when the time comes to you know meet you. We're, we're confident and excited for it. And then you have the Michigan people who, you know, for many years, they, were, they didn't win for like a decade. So they, you know, the... Stevenson and everything they were like okay we gotta you know get get on our horse in June and July and then we're gonna you know really be focused on beating them and then do it now they've got the upper hand for the last two years so there's something to be said about you know holding your tongue and then going out and winning but these are also the people that you know just had to restructure their stadium tunnel because they kept creating traffic jams on <laughs> right purpose. yeah right exactly like how could this happen New York, Michigan men. So let's let's talk about Michigan a little bit. Actually, I'm gonna I'll bump up the Harbaugh stuff. We'll we'll get back. We'll get these two things back to back. Um, first of all, the flag uh, planning thing. Sanders still. Um, his quote is wasn't anything to disrespect Ohio State. And like, yes, it was. That's okay. And and what what Ow. I think is really hilarious. So this is the full quote. He says, I was just thinking, I was thinking about since January, which I don't know why, uh, just coming down here and having the opportunity. <laughs> That's such a weird way to start it. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. I'm sorry like, to interrupt you. Why? It's, it's yeah. July. It's the end of July. <laughs> yeah. I, really? Like you've been thinking about like, okay, fine. <laughs> um, just coming down here and having the opportunity to win a game at the stadium. First time since 2000, just even last year. The only thing I was thinking about was fan rushing the field. This year I was thinking about planting the flag and speaking it into existence. Uh, it was just one of those things that happened in the moment. What I do again, I don't know. It was just one of those things. I was excited. You know, I was happy, and it just happened. I wasn't anything to respect to Ohio State or anything like that. It was just, like I said, I was happy to have went down there and did what we did with my teammates, and it just happened. Dude, it's okay. They it's put okay. The flat, isn't the flag okay. like in a museum display up there now? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, you you yeah, can't like, say oh, that man. after you've put it in right. glass. Like, come on. Right. Dude, own it. Just own it. It's okay. Like, again, is it crappy? Does it make you the villain? Does it make you? Yes. Own it. Own it. If you oh, want would to. I, would I do one of the most iconic moments for Michigan in the recent history of the rivalry again? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> come on, man. And this is this is the thing that just drives me crazy. And And I think this is. It's not a specifically Michigan thing, but it is so quintessentially Michigan, which is that you can't you have to always be acting like you're better than, you know, the the poor, you know, rabble, you know, at Michigan State and Ohio State, these at these colleges. The commoners of the Big Ten. Yes, that's right. And, you know, these (laughs) these unwashed masses. And it's like, come on, dude, it's okay. Get in the muck. You're allowed to be the villain. It's fine. Um Again, I'm not happy about it. I hope that Ohio State does the exact same thing this year uh, to Michigan and Ann Arbor. But, like, that's that's what makes the rivalry fun. So backing away from that, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I do that again. Why? Just do it. <laughs> come on, man. So stupid. And I just it, – it, come on. Just just own up to it. Just embrace it. It's totally fine. Honestly, if I were him, I'd be sitting there and be like, yeah, I wish we had three flags. Like, that – come on. Like – that, that 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 would be so funny. That, that I, is, I hope they do that this year. That Ohio State that would be great. They should bring they should bring more flags. And the other thing is is that uh, you know what is one of the things for Ohio State fans? What is like for Woody Hayes like his most iconic thing? Right, because we couldn't go for three. Right, 
Woody Hayes didn't come out there in media days next year and go like, no, I really meant we just needed to play hard. <laughs> Hope everybody I, had I, a good time. I would have settled no. for a two-point conversion. That's right. That's, no, I mean, come on, man. Like, it's it's about rubbing the opponent's face in it. And Michigan, again, I don't want them to ever win against Ohio State, but I will also say that, like, if you have one, then just embrace being the villain. It's anyway. So I, I would rather you plant a flag after the game than, you know, create a collision course in the stadium tunnel. Again. That's right. No fight. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, last thing about Michigan this week is that Harbaugh um, has been suspended for four games over one of the most pathetic things that you can possibly think of. So he basically, he bought recruits uh, burgers and then he lied to the NCAA about it. And of course he's not getting suspended for four games because he bought burgers. He's getting suspended for four games because he lied about it. But here's the, again, the other thing that I'm talking about here is that I go all the way back to Jim Trestle's thing, right? With Taggate and lying to the NCAA about the fact that his players sold their own memorabilia, like stuff that they own to other people um, and got some tattoos or whatever. And the fact that, it, you know, Jim Trestle lied to the NCAA about essentially what got him fired. And, you know, at the time, you know, and I cover this extensively on Longwood. I, I actually wrote, I think, our first piece about it. When that came out on Yahoo Sports, I had to write up the first like thing about it. And so this is a big deal. And throughout the next several months, as this whole thing was going down and then eventually Jim Trestle gets fired, I had to sit there and watch Michigan fans paint this guy who like, again, if you look at the totality of Jim Trestle, I'm not saying he's a saint, but compared to a lot of these other dudes, like he is, he's much cleaner, much more squeaky, squeaky clean than some of these other guys in, in college football. I had to watch Michigan fans paint this guy as like, freaking like the godfather right where he's like ordering hits on guys he rigged a raffle he's like he's this youngstown super genius you know criminal mastermind dude i was in high school in chicago when that was happening you know what the northwestern fans were saying about jim trestle it was so ridiculous especially like now what we know about fits it's so funny to me the dynamic that happened right exactly and so I just think it's really funny that Michigan fans uh, are, are rightly saying how stupid this is, but at the same time will then, you know, extricate Ohio State for doing, you know, basically the same thing. You lied to the NCAA about something stupid. Okay, guess what? So did Jim Trestle. And so it's just one of those holier-than-thou things that really ticks me off. Michigan will be fine, by the way. Their first uh, four games uh, are against East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green. Those are all at home. And then they have to also play Rutgers, a Big Ten team, again, at home. So four home games against trash, uh, they'll be fine. I'm not too worried about it. Um, so, yeah, Michigan will will coast through those four games. It's barely a punishment. Harbaugh, I'm sure, will be you know kicking his feet up and at home and not worrying too much about it. Uh, and nor should he because those are, are trash teams. So I just think it's funny. The hypocrisy is pretty ridiculous. Hey, man, Maryland um, made it exciting last year for a little bit. You never know. That was <laughs> yeah, early in well, the season, too. It was. Um, I don't know. Maybe Shiano does something crazy, but I, I have very little faith in that. Wild card. I, <laughs> I would, that would be cool, but I, I just I don't see it. Um, all right. So real quick, Big Ten Media Days. Uh, that's been covered, obviously, extensively on the site. But I do want to hit on a few things before we get to ask us anything. 
First of all, Ryan Day was asked a question about Michigan and Ohio State's game being played earlier in the season. Um, he says, this is his quote, uh, I am glad that we still have the rivalry game. I do think we should consider when we play it because just because you may end up playing them back-to-back weeks, which would be awkward. Um, I know that we need to consider the tradition, but I think it's worth a conversation and a win because I think that's significant just on how the season plays out. Guess what, Ryan Day, you're wrong. I'm sorry. That is yeah. a bad take by the head coach. Uh, the reason why the Michigan game has to be at the end of the season is because of the rivalry, because of what it means. Um, that was that was a poor take, I think, by Ryan Day. I, I, and I've seen that, actually, when the Big Ten um, first shifted to divisions, right, way back in the Legends and Leaders era. They were talking about maybe mich- moving the Michigan game. And there were a couple of articles that were written – uh, I think specifically down in SB Nation about like how Ohio State shouldn't, you know, Ohio State Michigan shouldn't complain about that too much. You know, so SEC rivals, you know, play each other all throughout the season. And it's not necessarily like diminishing those rivalries. But the last game, I mean, it means something. To be the roadblock um, for your rival in that, in that rivalry, um, that's a big deal. And moving it, I think, would diminish it. And I think it would change it a lot. So bad take by the head coach. I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, I can appreciate where he's coming from. Uh, just you know, he's, no, it could be back to back to back weeks. Well, and, he's and he, he's trying to be appreciative of multiple perspectives, and there's also the consideration that that game, the game, effectively functioned as the Big Ten championship for many many sequences and sure, seasons yeah. of you know the conference's history. So now that we're in an era where there's an actual literal Big Ten championship game, and we've done away with the divisional component of the conference, it makes sense to open up the discussion for is it in the best interest just from a strict scheduling perspective, particularly relative to how things have played out the last two seasons, if you end up playing Michigan at the end of your regular season every time. That being said, if it, Lee Corso said it best, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And this is the best damn rivalry in the sport. Don't change right. anything about it. Yeah, I agree. And <laughs> let Lee Corso is the guy who admitted if it ain't broke. Don't let fix Lee Corso it. be the voice <laughs> of reason for when Ryan Day gets out of pocket. That's where that's where that that phrase came from. Um so, yeah, I, you know, and I don't think it will change. I think they'll do everything they can to keep it where it's at, particularly, um, you know, for just broadcasting rights and all that kind of stuff. I don't think anybody wants to mess with that. That is a guaranteed win um, in terms of like attention and viewers and meaning and all that. I just I don't see them messing with that. It'll be weird if they have to play each other, you know, back to back weeks or whatever. But it's I don't know. I, that weirdness can also be fun and interesting. So I'm not I'm not really. I'm not really uh, going to advocate for that change. I think it's I think it's a good idea to keep where it's at. Um, also, talking about a little bit of rivalry stuff. So James Franklin and Ryan Day both are cool with Penn State not playing Ohio State every year, and I think that's probably a relief to both of these guys. Uh, probably more on the you know side of Penn State, obviously, because in recent years Ohio State's kind of owned that rivalry. But um, uh, you know, this is one that I'm I'm not as angry about. I kind of agree with them too. I as much as Penn State has been kind of this nascent um, rivalry for Ohio State, and I think they've done cool things with like the blackout and the whiteout and whatnot. Um, I'm also okay with Penn State not being 
you know, a fake real rival for Ohio State. That's that's one of those things I actually do agree on. And I think, you know, to get a little more variety in Big Ten scheduling isn't necessarily a terrible thing outside of the mission game. So I'm cool. I, I, I don't agree with that. I think right. that, it, yeah, because the, the playoff committee has already, it's, and, you know, we've talked about this on the show, and it's important to keep in mind we're about to go from four to 12 teams very shortly. But it in terms of that, you know, selection criteria, it, it makes more sense now that there's 12 teams that like you could get away with a few more losses and get in. But to that point, you would want to be playing in the most competitive conference possible then. And for many years where right. Michigan was not good, Penn State was the the crown jewel of Ohio State's uh, resume when they were being considered for the playoff. So if you have another potential season where Michigan is off, they're not, you know, this in this return to warrior prominence that Harbaugh's got them running at up there, then you are looking at a situation where Ohio State potentially hasn't played anybody impressive and wants to be in the postseason. And that just isn't going to have them prepared for the playoff. You don't want that. You want to play the best teams as many times as you can within, you know, your reasonable expectations and what the conference has available. So I, I'm in competition is healthy and it it helps people rise to challenges. And I, I want to see that. So I, I encourage, I don't want to say I encourage conflict, but I, I, I would like to see that rivalry fostered rather than decayed. Well, and so I think that's a good point. And, um, to that point, James Franklin had some interesting comments on that. So he said, to me, there shouldn't have to be discussions on if this team is a rival or not. If they're a rival, everyone knows they are, in my opinion. Now, part of that's on you, buddy. <laughs> Why because, did he even choose to acknowledge that? Like, that's right, the problem. Because, <laughs> right, because Penn State would be a rival for Ohio State. There wouldn't be a discussion if Penn State could beat Ohio State with any kind of regularity and was a threat to Ohio State, then yes, I think Penn State could become an actual rival to the Buckeyes. But because they haven't done that, because Ohio State has rolled into the teeth of these whiteouts and come out with victories over and over again, that kind of diminishes that a little bit. And honestly, outside of Michigan, if you're looking for a Big Ten team that like Ohio State is like reasonably scared by, it's in West Lafayette. It's not, it's not, in, it's not in Penn State. So we'll talk about them. I, I know we have not to after say sundown, that. Johnny. We got it. We got it. We I can't even say the full name of the university because it's so terrifying. It's like Voldemort. We can't. We can't say once the moon comes out and that train comes chugging down the track, all the nightmares start spinning up for the Buckeye fans. Right, and I actually think I think outside. I really have to look up the stat, but I actually think that even including Michigan possibly in the last like 15 or 20 years, I think there's a way you can game it. I think you have to pick a certain year, but uh, since like the early to mid two thousands, I think Purdue actually has the highest win percentage against Ohio state in the big 10. Yeah. It's freaky. (laughs) Yeah. Which is very funny to me. Um, Also incredibly infuriating when it happened, but in retrospect, it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, Also a league Corso phrase. Um, so last thing I want to talk about media days, this is fun. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is considered to be basically like the boogeyman in the Big Ten. Like everybody's terrified of this guy. And the collection of quotes that we got 
on them. So uh, Garrick put this thing together where all these guys are asking about uh, Marvin Harrison. And probably the best one was uh, like, <laughs> this is from Kirk Ferentz, who, you know, as, as terrible as Iowa was on offense, they were pretty damn good on defense last year. And he says, on game planning for Harrison, quote, it's impossible in a word. You probably saw it as a challenge last year. It's a challenge for everybody. Theoretically, we can only see him one more time, and that would be a good thing, I guess. Um, that, and all the guys crazy. have said, yeah, they're basically saying similar things. Like, there's no way. It's very challenging. He's a great player. There's no – I mean, you can't you can't do anything about it. Um, it's pretty cool. So, I really think, you know, think about Harrison, Marvin Harrison. I In past years, if you looked at Ohio State, particularly in offense, it wasn't just like a one-man show. I mean, occasionally it would become that. And I think, you know, with Dwayne Haskins where he was throwing for 5,000 yards and, and, you know, basically putting the team on his back, that was a one-man show. But this year is the first time that I can remember, like, if you're thinking about, like, stars, like, big-time stars on the team that people, you know, know a lot about. I mean, it's Harrison. The conversation begins and ends on offense. Yeah, you got Travion Henderson and some of these other dudes. But if you're talking about, like, elite guys who are in the Heisman conversation from the, you know, beginning of the season, it's Marvin Harrison. And all the attention is going to be on that dude. So I'm, I'm really curious to see, A, you know, how his season plays out and then B who ends up being able to, um, you know, take advantage of that. And the fact that he's going to command so much attention on the field because the guy like, you know, Buka and, you know, even a lot of people, I think we have forgotten about, um, you know, all the, the playmakers and whatnot that we have on offense at Ohio state to watch and, and to enjoy and all that stuff. But, you know, a lot of these running backs that everybody's still like super excited about, Dallin Hayden's still there. Mayan Wayne is still there, right? Like all these dudes, you know, Henderson that I mentioned, like it's not Evan Pryor, right, is still going to be a factor, I think. Like there's a lot of dudes who are there who are going to uh, be able to make an impact. Um, I think a lot of people are still right now just really worried about Marvin Harrison. There, there's there's a lot of mouths to feed, and, they're, you know, we see players step up every year. Xavier Johnson's another player that I think is Absolutely. doing big things this year. 100%. Um, but, and we and Evan Pryor, we we saw a willingness for them to incorporate him as like a like gadget. I don't want to say gadget, but like passing out of the backfield. Yeah, like he was a more, yeah, he yeah. was going to give them more of a dynamic in the passing game than I think what they got with Henderson when he got hurt, and then what they tried to get out of Mayan Williams. Although he had some crazy sideline catches last season, if I recall oh, correctly. Yeah. But the thing with Marv is, you know, it is so hard to get like every all of the like it, it's one thing in terms of like physical habits for like the the children of like professional athletes to like get ingrained in that because you grow up in the culture of like the nfl and everything oh sure yeah but but when you've when you're uh someone that has been given so much it, it is so hard to get the the heart and the spirit that needs to be aligned with the the physical gifts in order to maximize the potential that you may be inheriting from that kind of lineage. And I want to just recall to people what happened at the end of award season last season when Marvin Harrison Jr. did not get the Bolitnikoff. Mm, Do you remember yeah. what the first thing that he did that night was? Yeah, he, he went to the jugs machine. He went didn't to he? the jugs machine. That's right. The son of Marvin Harrison. Right. That guy could do anything he wants 
in that moment where he feels like he didn't live up to expectations. And the first thing that he does after the season he had last year, when he is disrespected like that by the national media, is he goes out that night and goes to work. That's right. I don't know what the future of this team is this season. Marvin Harrison Jr. is winning the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> I'm, I'm I, 100% I serious. I'm 100% I serious. I, you know what? And the dude, to your point, I mean, if he, he stays is, healthy. Yeah, if he stays, I mean, the dude is unbelievably professional, unbe- unbelievably talented. We've seen some really next level things from him. I think a lot of it is, um, you know, how does he fit in the offense? What does it look like? You know, where does he play? All that kind of stuff. Does he get the opportunity? Who's the to, quarterback? Who's the quarterback? I mean, that's that's also huge. But yeah, I I think of all the people on Ohio State's roster as the opportunity to win a Heisman, he's absolutely the dude, and um, he's going to be in the conversation from the you know from the very first game. So I'm excited to see how he plays, see him in action because this is 100 the last year you will see him in an Ohio State uniform. Um, so never say not. Uh, by the way, well, I'm looking forward to the conversation at the end of the season where people are like, well, maybe, and I'm going to like laugh my head off for like three months. So I look forward to him being the consensus number one pick all the way up through like draft season and oh, everything. Yeah, and right. then we'll get to the finish line and then some <laughs> Bama player will jump him. Yeah, no, they'll have, they'll have some kind of story about how, like, I don't know, he cut off some old lady in, a, in his car or something and flipped her the bird and that shows that what, he what, what did they get chase young for they got him suspended for the the maryland game oh god i don't i don't even <laughs> same thing yeah anyway so i'm excited martin harrison's gonna be a beast it's gonna be great um big 10 media days are over i'm excited for camp to start obviously that's coming up here soon that'll be a lot of fun if we want to talk about the quarterback competition that's something we will definitely be focusing in a whole bunch on um, as we lead up, although Ryan Day also said that he could see this thing going on for a while, um, which is interesting to me um, that he would kind of say that, at, you know, even before camp starts. So we'll see how that plays out. That'll be really interesting. Um, and we'll keep talking about it. All right. So let's go ahead and do ask us anything. Before we get into that, though, we want to remind you that the Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com, shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Check it out. Get yourself a shirt or a hat or some stickers. They're great. Uh, This first question here is from Kevin, who says, guys, who do you think will be the offensive MVP on the football team this fall? It seems wide open. Thought there are a lot of stars. We So I thought that was a good good, uh, entry point. uh, I defer to my previous statement. Yes, refer to our previous statement. I don't, I mean... I don't know how it's not Marvin Harrison because here's the thing. Even if the quarterback, whoever the quarterback is, they're going to be throwing mostly to that dude. Um, I I mean, unless unless like Henderson or my, I don't. That's the thing. Like, I think a better question is who's who's going to be the X factor. Like, who do you think is going to be like the surprise guy that brings the juice? That like, oh, I think helps. Evan Pryor will be. You think it's think Evan it's Pryor? Yeah, I think it's Evan Pryor. Okay. I think he's going to because the thing is. The interesting thing about the the wide receiver room this year is that they got a lot of like short to medium range guys. As, as much as Marvin Harrison is amazing and incredible, he's not a, necessarily a burner who's going to like catch you know twenty five yards per catch or anything like that. 
Um, so how they figure out how all these dudes work together is going to be really interesting. And I think Evan Pryor is going to have a pretty significant role as that we talked about it, catching passes out of the backfield, basically forcing the defense to come up a little bit to allow a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. or Abuka to get behind you know, the linebackers and the safeties, maybe not 50 yards behind, but 20, 15, 20 yards behind and then make plays and do whatever they're going to do. So I think a lot of guy, a lot of, a lot of action will come uh, via the backfield and those short passes to guys like Pryor and Mayan and all those other dudes. So. No, and, that, and that'll help build the uh, confidence of uh, whoever ends up winning the quarterback. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So I think right. that's, I think that's a good way to look at it. I would in a similar role i think with a little bit more disguisability i i my answer would be xavier johnson i think is going to step into that because we saw him I love that. we saw him snowball into that role a little bit towards the end right. of the regular season last year so i think it would be a natural progression for him to shine. and i think that would be cool as hell because that dude i mean you know people are like oh this guy's like a practice team you know all-star and all this stuff and he finally got in the game for like oh wait he's actually legitimately like really good and, and can you know benefit the team so i think that would be great if, if xavier could uh you know show up and make some awesome plays um all right so this next one here this is from tyler uh who just says uh good morning quick note uh before he asks the question eventually a nickname will come out for the all grays like the cocaine whites i propose we call these the tomcats because they look just like the f-14 fighter jets uh i don't know the tomcats will be the uh, the move on that um to I think I think it's too close to like Wildcats or something like that. You want something maybe a little more, I don't know, neutral or I guess a drug reference. Silver um, suits. I don't know. Silver suits. That'd be sick, actually. Um, maybe just silver bullets or something like that. I well, do. I, w- I, I do. was thinking that, but they already like kind of colloquially refer to the defensive unit. That's as right. That. So that'd be a little weird. Um, but I do like the fact that everybody's super high on these uh, alternate unis because they are really sick. Um, all right. So this is the question from Tyler who says, for the question that's been bothering me for a couple weeks, hypothetically, OSU and Michigan could match up three times in one year in the future. They could have done it. I mean, hell, they could have done it last year, really. Like, in, in, you know, well, I guess they couldn't have done it last year because of the same. But, yes, in the future, they could do three times, theoretically. Um, If one team loses the game, loses the conference championship, and then loses the playoff game, how would that affect recruiting in the national media perspective? Three losses to your rival in one year, no matter how good your team, I think, would knock you down next year uh, into the 10 to 15 preseason, pre- preseason ranking at best. I, here's what I'll say. That would be devastating. <laughs> that would be really, really, I, really I, I, I don't think my psyche could handle that. I'd probably quit my fandom. Yeah. I'd quit now, the dubcast. I wouldn't even I do think, the show the next week. I just wouldn't show that up. That would be really hard. I will say, though, that I do think there is somewhat of a disconnect between fandom, national media, and then, like, perception by actual, like, college football, high school recruits. You know what I mean? Because each of those groups make determinations about how they feel about colleges um, on completely different criteria. So – would fans be devastated and want to just like throw themselves into the seat? Yes. They would, they would, they would lose their minds. Uh, would national media like have a field day and go insane and go crazy and talk about how, you know, whichever team does that is you know, on the skids and probably won't ever, probably they'll probably will recruits, you know, turn away forever from that team. I think it might hurt, but I don't think it would be I think as short term. It would hurt long term. It wouldn't be as bad. Right. Yeah. I kind of agree with that. So, um, man, that would be really bad, though. <laughs> oh, can, can I tell you? Every time, like, 
any time that Ohio State is in the national spotlight and they lose, it it is pile on Ohio State. But it's the same way with Bama. It's the same way with Clemson. It's when you're one of these, you know, you're one of the uh, the elite houses of the college football oh, realm. Sure, yeah. You you know, any time that you are ridiculed in public display like that, everybody's going to want to jump in on the fun. So it right. might to right. that point, like. I have so many friends that I grew up with in Chicago that don't care about college football at all. And at not just while Ohio state was losing, but when the game got blown out at the end that last year was when mm-hmm. they all decided to reach out to me about what was well, going on. And I thought right. that was yeah. very interesting. I was like, you know, we were right. crushing it this whole season and I didn't hear a peep out of any of you that I know right. don't care about this sport. But now that right. the Buckeyes have their pants around their ankles in Columbus, you are, right. you're coming to kick us in the teeth. It, okay. uh, it, it doesn't feel good. So we're, you know, it is what it is. We accept the burden as Ohio state fans. Yeah. And you know, I don't anticipate that. <laughs> happening but i would (laughs) i can just imagine that if you were the team you know you've got three games you've lost the first two first of all we were potentially having to brace for the reality of back-to-back losses this past season that would have been super devastating by itself right and i will say though that had ohio state and michigan won you know their college football playoff games last season and met in the national title for Ohio State to beat Michigan in that game would have been the funniest thing, like one of the funniest things I can think of. But had they lost that game, I probably would Double not. Double or have nothing. Won. Yeah, that would have been that would have been rough. Um, yeah, you that would all your chips are in. I mean, that would be crazy. Um, all right, so this next one here, this is from Joshua F. What is your perfect Jeopardy category board? Oh my God! What? The, uh, well, so okay, so we need five. Uh, that so that that's funny. That that question at first, I'm thinking like 25 different squares, and I'm like, there's no, no way no, I'm no. gonna. So be it's like one section, a section that you will sweep. Right. What is the section that you would we just do sweep? Five five sections. Okay. Uh, no, oh, just, just give one. one oh, yeah, just okay. give me one right. section you would sweep. I'm not going through the whole cat because I'll take uh, Give me one section that you'll sweep. Potent potables. <laughs> A petite, never mind. That's right. <laughs> uh, an album cover. Um, what a great, what a great skit. Um, I would say for me, every time it's popped up on Jeopardy, I've always destroyed it because the thing about Jeopardy is that if you have highly specific information about a particular topic, and then that topic shows up, you're going to dominate because the thing about Jeopardy is it's it's always about like an inch deep and a mile wide. You know what I mean? Like they'll ask you anything about everything, but as long as you know, like a ton about one specific thing, you'll get all of those questions. Correct. I bet so, if they put Chris Chuganov on that board, your eyes will light up. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm now I'm sweeping it. So, um, the one that I've always like dominated on is anything related to us history, but particularly like civil war. So anytime like anything related to civil war comes up, like I just annihilated, I got everything on there. Pat, Sometimes they, they put in, like, college sports type stuff. Um, but, yeah, the civ- anything related to the American Civil War, I think I would just destroy it. I would kill it. Cool. Yeah, no, I uh, – the, the one of the only classes I believe I got, like, a, 
a, a solid A in my first year at Ohio State was uh, history of war post 1900. So I, uh, you know, a lot of studying the patterns class? of history. There's a lot of value in that. So I, who, I agree. I'd probably want something along those lines. Who was your professor for that? Do you remember? Uh, he was he was a guy that had military experience. Was it was his name Grimsley? Yes. That's hilarious. Okay, that's, so I actually, that's unbelievable. You just pulled that. I haven't heard that name in over ten years, and I, I remember. So that, Mark that Grimsley. Was so here's. So I actually know Mark. I don't. I haven't talked to him recently. Uh, and by recently, I haven't talked to him in years. But um, yeah, he actually was a mentor for a friend of mine at Ohio State, and he he did a class visit to one of my classes one year um, that I was teaching. So he's he's a solid dude. He's a really really intelligent guy. Um, he literally wrote the book on Sherman's March uh, to the Sea. Completely rewrote scholarship nice. on that. I know he's he, yeah. So Grimsley, if you're listening, which I know you're not, but if you ever do. Just know that you are a badass, and I think you're a pretty great uh, professor. So that's come, cool. Come, come jump on the dubcast and uh, rip rip Harbaugh's war metaphors to shreds for us. He would do that. Um, yeah, Grimsley's he's an interesting cat. I sat down with him, and yeah, he's, he's a cool dude. Um, all right, last one here. This is from our good friend Alvin, who wants to know, very simply, what was your favorite video game slash games as a kid? Yeah, I, I'm... As a kid, okay. So, like, um, let's say, yeah, elementary school age. Let's let's do that. Well, it's interesting because I I had quite I, I forged I, or forged fought. I don't know. It took it took a while for my parents to let me play video games, uh, sure. which was kind of frustrating relative to where I grew up. But it is what it is. I'm not I'm not taking it out on the on the dubcaster. <laughs> it's video games. Uh, it's uh but the first i you know i i grew up watching the the pokemon tv show so i really oh, wanted sure. the games but the whole red blue y that passed me by because or red blue yellow not rby it's a little bit passed time, me, right that came out when well, i was like 11 so well no it wasn't quite a little bit before my time i mean it was you know around it was 99 i think so i think i was like six years old there were I mean, oh, okay i don't know Maybe you don't want kids that young playing the Game Boy. No, no, whatever. but that's that's okay. You're right. You're right, though. That's about that's that's makes sense. Yeah. But I I saw all my like friends play those games, and I didn't get to, and I was like, oh my god. And then I got the next. I got Pokemon Crystal was like my first game, like my first handheld game, and I, I like I. Uh, it's fun. We're we're not on video, but I literally have a display on my desk. Uh, did you play the Gen two Pokemon games? Uh, you know what? So gold and silver came out when I think it was like 13. So I yeah. was like, I, I did, I played it and I thought it was really cool. And then after that, I just kind of dropped, I kind of moved on. But did you, I did you beat them? Like play all the way to the end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause you okay, get the so whole first game afterwards. That was that, the cool part. Well, well, no, but the big it's thing exciting, is I think. my favorite moment in any, any handheld game ever is the end of those games when you go to the top of Mount Silver and you face Red, the guy yeah, that like you played as in the first, the first game, game. the yeah, likeness right. of Ash Ketchum, the that having your guy <laughs> face that guy as the end of the game when that level eighty one Pikachu came out, I I I, I saw like, I, I, I I got cold. I was like. The, the, my little like 10 11 year old brain was like the, these people have like 
it, it, this is an unbelievable way to to put the the bow on top of this experience. Right. It was crazy. Yeah, that was so. I do remember that, and that was pretty sick as a kid. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. Um, so. I'm old enough to remember. So my dad, actually, we didn't have a lot of like technological type stuff. We didn't get a lot of the, you know, the, the new whatever that came out. But the one thing that my dad actually did do was he bought an NES uh, like the day it became available. <laughs> and, and so we didn't really have many games for it or anything like that. Uh, we had like Super Mario Bros. 3, which I played the crap out of. We had a Game Genie, so that was fun. So we just cheated and beat all I've the never games. heard of that. A game genie? I've never heard of that. No. Oh my god. Okay. Well, you got to look up a game genie because for the for the young folk here uh, <laughs> and on listening to the dubcast, you ha- you know the cartridges for the in or for the NES, right? For the Nintendo. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you blow on them, it fixes them. <laughs> yes, that's right. So what you did was is you would put this thing called a game genie on top of like it was a cart that plugged oh, into the cartridge, yeah. and then yes. you put the whole thing into the NES. And then it, what it did is it brought up the screen where you would enter in cheats. So for like uh, okay. Super Mario sixty or excuse me Super Mario Bros three, you could put in a cheat where like you just if you kept hitting the A button, you would just keep jumping, and so you could like float through the levels. Right. You could right. make it so you're Raccoon Mario the entire game. It was this really cool thing, and it's like of a time because I mean obviously those things can't exist anymore but at the time it was a sick thing it was like just this device that you put on top of the cartridge and you make it do whatever you want well yeah they were like um, rebranding i think to I, I don't know if it was the same company like game shark i think is like what they yeah, call yeah, it it's now. But yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah i know the product you're referring to right so anyway i we had the nes and we thought it was cool but you know it's all the side scroller stuff it's all 2d we didn't have like any like super cool games or anything like that um i think we had something called Barker Bill's Tricks Shooting. Uh, we had a Grover game, like a counting game or something. And I remember, this is like, you know, I'm not like a huge gamer, but I, I like playing video games. And this is like the moment, the biggest moment in my entire life as a video game enjoyer. Uh, we went to a Blockbuster uh, around 1995, 1996, and I saw a kiosk for a Nintendo 64 that had a demo of Mario 64, Super Mario Brothers 64. And I could not believe what I was looking at. The idea that you could have a character move in 3D space and like jump. And you're like in this 3D world where you can go up and down and left and right and and backwards, like any direction you wanted to, you could jump, you could do all that. That, my mind exploded. I, I could not believe what I was looking at. I thought this was the greatest innovation that could ever happen in the history of the universe. And so we got a Nintendo 64. We got Super Mario Bros. 64. I probably beat it like 20 times. Um, so that game specifically, because I loved it so freaking much, and I it just I, I thought it was the coolest thing on the planet. We also had Wave Race 64, which is like a jet ski game that I played the crap out of. And then uh, Ocarina of Time. I was going to say, I know you're a big Majora's Mask nerd. I'm a huge huge Zelda fan. Uh, Majora's Mask actually got before Ocarina of Time, but I wanted to play Ocarina of Time first. I think that colored your judgment a little bit. Well, maybe, but (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I played the crap out of Ocarina of Time. I actually actually looked at... I remember I had like over a hundred or so hours in that game, probably 120, 150 hours in that game. There's a lot of stuff. Only half of it was just on the fishing mini game that they had in that. One of the best ever made. 
it's incredible. And so I actually remember my sister who does not did not care about video games at all. She also beat Super Mario Brothers uh, 64 with me. And she also played the video game or excuse me, the fishing mini game in, uh, in Zelda because she was just so enthralled by it. So that those are probably formative video game experiences in my life as a kid. Um, but man, I will never forget how I felt seeing Super Mario 64 uh, and that Nintendo 64 kiosk at Blockbuster because it was, I just, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. Why? Those displays um, are powerful. And to that point, well, the last thing I was going to say about the Pokemon Crystal is that I have a display on my desk of when you, like, it's it's the battle. It's red oh, versus cool. gold. And it's oh, like it's the like, Charizard. It's like one of those, like, you yeah, know, it's a little things. display yeah, box, yeah. and it's Typlosion yeah. versus Charizard on top of Mount Silver. And the oh, the, the title of the box says it's Mount Silver, and it says like only the most skilled train. It's the one from the game that says like <laughs> only skilled trainers right. may enter, and it sits on my desk. And it's my favorite moment in the history of video games, and it's always there to just remind me to you know go. Go for the top and don't fear the challenges at the end. Take down red. That's awesome. Um, all right, so great questions this week. Those are fantastic. And uh, I really I really enjoyed answering those questions. That was great. Thank you, guys. Um, all right, so before we get out of here, we've got a few things that I want to hit on quickly, relatively quickly. Big 12 expansion seems to be a go. Colorado is, I guess, hopping back in. That's cool. Um, and at the same time, um, it looks like Arizona might be the next target. looks like they're coming on board. So Pac-12 is probably sweating bullets here, trying to figure out who no they more will. Pac-12 uh, after dark. Yeah, well, we talked a little bit about how SDSU, San Diego State, kind of like screwed the pooch. But, but maybe Pac-12 at this point is like, okay, <laughs> like if you want to come, please, please, please help us out. Um but yeah, so conference realignment, conference expansion continues unabated. And I don't know. I mean, probably pretty good ads for the Big 12. Colorado, of course, has some pretty, you know, pretty close ties to the conference, clearly. And then Arizona, I think, is probably a good, you know, bet for them. I don't know what that adds for them in football. I guess basketball is is not a terrible bet, um, but yeah, I don't know. That's interesting how that'll actually benefit the Big 12 long term. Because, I, you know, for thinking about super conferences, I don't think that staves that off necessarily for the Big 12. No, I well, the- I mean, I think this is probably the most significant step towards that since the announcement of USC and U- yeah. uh, UCLA going to the Big 10. So we're, we're, we're not quite on, I think, you know, snowball momentum yet. Like it's not, we're not at, at avalanche mode, but we're, you're starting to see the dominoes fall in terms of us going in that route. So I, I don't think, I don't like to see that as a fan. I understand it from a business perspective. We'll, we'll see how it affects the, the kind of flow and dynamics of power and the sport in the coming years. But I, uh, you know, I the we've talked about it on the show before. It's sad to see the regional flair of the sport evaporating right. before our eyes. Right. And, you know, there's been some, um, you know, rumors and, and rumors on the internets about, uh, you know, what, what, what the Big Ten is going to do next. I mean, if you look at like Oregon and Washington, people talk about them coming in. I mean, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of things kind of swirling around. I, I'm curious to see. If the Big Ten decides to be that aggressive, um, but we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. I they had been saying that they were pretty content to stay where they're at. 
I wonder if something like this forces their hand a little bit um, to maybe move up the timeline of, of adding more teams, but yeah, who knows? Who knows how this ultimately plays out? Because there's a lot going on right now, I think. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, this is just a ridiculous thing. And this, I don't think, is really a coincidence that this this kind of plays out um, during Big Ten media days. Uh, but a lot of noise about P.J. Fleck and, and what's been reported on and talked about at Minnesota. Um, a lot of former players saying just some really super bonkers things about people supposedly having to applaud for him or um, a, a cultish nature or something called the Fleck Bank, um, a system that allowed players with enough, quote, coins to get away with positive From the drug creators bank. of the Shrek list come That's right. the Fleck Bank. <laughs> so this is all, again, this is all kind of hearsay. It's, it's, it's not necessarily, like, this is just being reported on. I don't think there's any, like, Evidence of this, there certainly aren't pictures of it, I don't think, uh, as, uh, you know, was kind of there with uh, Northwestern. But um, I don't know. It, it's it's super weird. P.J. Fleck, um, there's a lot of guys who really like him. There's a lot of guys who really don't. I feel like there's been a lot of rumors kind of surrounding him over the years. Um, I don't know. It's, 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 really, it's really kind of weird. So... I, I think there is a lot of stuff. If, if you want to make the claim for, you know, example, that P.J. Fleck has a big ego, I don't think too many people either in support of him or against him will deny that. But uh, this is pretty wild stuff. I'm curious to see. I want to see um, how much Minnesota really tries to investigate it, particularly if they believe that this is a guy who, you know, still a pretty young coach, um, can be with them for a long period of time. Because that's pretty much what Northwestern thought. And it bit him in the ass. So is we'll that, see. How is that, that kid still allowed to dress up as him now, or is his image been destroyed <laughs> enough that that's too that's distasteful? Um, I just love all these these weird acronyms and like quotes that are just kind of like bonkers. Can, do you have that one about like self image or something that was just like th- this is just you complaining about motivation tactics? This is this is not like right, a. Right, right. A problem, actually. <laughs> I like my favorite one here. So the the pages obtained by Front Office Sports this is Front Office Sports report um, include nomenclature common to sports with inspirational quotes, and most are pretty self explanatory. And I got to say, these are very these are very funny. So, <laughs> roof over your head, better off than seventy three percent of the world. Okay, um, it's. Well, okay, your how creates your who. I have no idea what... Okay, fine. Uh, the pain of discipline versus the pain of regret, which, whatever, boilerplate. This is my favorite one. If you're juiceless, you're useless. If you're juiceful, you're useful. <laughs> juiceful. Yes, which is something that I'm going to start telling my son as soon as he's old enough to comprehend. <laughs> Although he might actually turn that back around on me and be like, hey, daddy. The juice is loose. You're useless. Like, I'm thirsty, daddy. If you're juiceless, you're useless. So I don't know if those are actually a thing or not, but that's that's very funny to me, and I appreciate that. And, you know, who knows who knows how crazy PJ Fleck actually is, but. Kind of hope that's he has kids thing. dressing up like him, so there's definitely some kind of cult going on up there. That's but, true. Well, so who, like, 
so other than Fleck, what coach in college football would you be most creeped out seeing a, a child imitator of? Well, I've seen stuff with Harbaugh, but that's not super creepy because it's just kidding slacks and whatever. Um, God, that's a good question. I mean, Fleck's weird. Uh, Bielema, actually, in a second. <laughs> that's and a someone, good answer. I yeah, wouldn't have said that, but that's a great answer. <laughs> Brent's would be weird because, yeah, like somebody who's had like a scandal, but like just on the face of it, Brett Bielema. Little fat shirtless kid with a beer and a game. You're yeah. like, dude, come on. And that's like not okay. <laughs> yeah, that'd be way worse. That actually would be the worst. I think Brett Bielema would be my answer. Oh, my um, God. That's so great. Yeah. I can't even get – I can't come up with a better answer than that. We can just – that's it. <laughs> um, Yeah, that'd be bad. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's a, the problem is a lot of these, you know, dinguses, you know, like Jimbo, right? Like, they're not, they're not, they're not identifiable. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing like, oh, yeah, that's a Jimbo Fisher cosplay. Like, it's, it's so bad. Bielema would be the dude. So, yeah. Uh, lastly here, congratulations on uh, Florida players apparently learning absolutely nothing over the past year. Uh, Florida, uh, excuse me, Georgia football defensive lineman arrested on warrant after speeding ticket. Congratulations, uh, Tyron Ingram Dawkins, redshirt sophomore from Gaffney, South Carolina. We we challenged um, them to commit another 300 citable traffic violations before the end of the year, and it seems like they're on pace to do that. So they're doing you know, great. The performance uh, standard. 90 to 70 isn't the worst thing in the world, but, you know, I'm just saying, man, like, just slow down. If you're a football player at, at Georgia, it's it's probably not in your best interest to be getting cited for speeding tickets at this point. I don't know. I know there's been a lot of noise uh, about, like, the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution investigation and, and, you know, how that parts had, I think had to be retracted possibly. I forget exactly how that played out, but um, not super great look for that organization, but still uh, quit speeding Bulldogs. That's all I'm going to say. Quit speeding. So, um, cool. so uh, they, they, they nail people all the time in Lima County for going uh, 90 and 70. So let's you know, you let, let, let whoever in Columbus has not, you know, that's right. Like that he has of- not sped down. What's that? There's this. Oh, now I got to look at the map. This is gonna drive me crazy. I gotta figure out the exact. We both just fumbled that quote so badly. We just gave up in the middle. Of oh, it. it's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it. East Cook Road. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about uh, in Clintonville. East Cook Road. I think of. I think that's like a 25 mile per hour speed limit. Uh, I don't know a single person who's ever driven that fast or that slowly down that road. So I understand. You know, if if you're going if you're going a little bit over, it's it's hard to do. But but please drive safe, drive drive reasonable, and if you're a uh, football player at Georgia, uh, really maybe just drive the exact speed limit always. Maybe just put on that cruise control and don't go a single mile per hour faster. That's all I'm saying. Um, so that's the Dubcast for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for writing in and asking those great questions. Um, we're getting real close to camp, and then after camp is the football season. And that's going to be bonkers. So I'm really excited for this year. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll be here every week to talk about it. So until next week, I'm Johnny. I'm George. And we'll see you next time.